0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you, Dave. And welcome.
1: We are we are the Tampa Bay We are not the Canadian Rays. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano, Host of Locked on Rays on the Locked on Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked on Rays on Himalaya, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Rays. Well, Ulysses, as you heard in the intro, uh, I will say that was not the only person that was upset at FanFest with the Rays split season proposal. Uh, there were many like him uh, at Fan Fest. It was quite an event, I will say. Uh, picket fences and all, or picket uh, picket forks and all, and, and everything going
2: on with that. It was it was something else, I will say. It it definitely had a different vibe. This Fan Fest, I think people were uh, rather awake for their early mm-hmm. time on a weekend. Uh, judge me if you want, but 10 a.m. is still early on a Saturday. Yes. Uh, But uh, no, it was it was it was a great, great time. Uh, I got to talk to a lot of of, of race fans. But yeah, that was usually the that was the pinnacle. I think everybody was waiting for uh, that conversation with not only Stu, but Brian Ald, Matt Silverman. And when it happened, the the fans let them know that they weren't about it. And, And there were quite a lot of boos. Quite a lot of booze. Yeah, it it almost sounded
1: seemed like a political rally at times, which I will say we must. I mean, we live in a wonderful country when we are almost rioting about a baseball team, how many games they're going to play in a city, (laughs) as opposed to some other more global issues like what kind of we are living in fantasy land right now. I will say, but of course, it is important to to us in the community and everything like that. And I got to give. I'll give Matt Silverman credit. I'll give Brian Ald credit. I'll give Stu Sternberg credit. They, they were there and they faced it. I mean, Stu Sternberg was in the crowd talking to people, uh, man of the people like Jim Crane, I guess. Brian Ald, Matt Silverman, they were just right there, front and center at the podium, answering questions to, the best they could.
2: If you're going to propose something that is going to jar so many of your not constituents, but you know, uh, of your fan base. You do have to face the music and have to walk amongst the peasants mm-hmm. that we are, and, and, and you know try to sell people on this idea if that's what you really want. And they did do that, so points are are, are awarded there. However, what? Did, yeah.
1: What did you think of the presentation? It was very PR esque, but what they said
2: in totality, I guess, on the whole, I don't think I got away with any new gem that we haven't already heard in so many interviews and, and articles written about this sister city concept when it mm-hmm. f- first came out in la- last June. I don't think they, they really gave any new right. know, information. Am, am, I, am I wrong?
1: Well, they continued the theme of, okay,
2: your best option right now is you can
1: either have half a season of baseball or no baseball at all. That was kind of their veiled threat if you will throughout the whole 20 minute uh interview session Q&A whatever you want to call it there were a couple of little things maybe like they did say that if this does happen St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay whoever they would get a playoff game we would get a playoff game so that is that is nice i guess um that's really the only major revelation outside yeah. of their expectation is to what do they get they, they said they get about a million fans yeah. on average per year their belief is they're going to squeeze those a million fans into the first three months of the season uh as opposed to over the entire course of a six-month season if you will so their expectation is that okay We're going to get all the fans to show up to the April games, the May games, and the June games that a lot of the times the stakes aren't all that high as opposed to the August and September games when things really start to ramp up. So I guess they're thinking that, oh, Rays fans or baseball fans in general will be like, oh, we only have the team for three months. Let's get our tickets now. Let's go watch this team before they go off and ship up to Montreal. I mean, that seems...
2: It seems like an... It seems like an economy uh, economist made this supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. Take out the supply, the demand will will, will rise. So right. By putting in less less games, supply has been shortened out, and and now the demand will increase. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, I, I think just like they teach you in, in economy classes and economics, uh, you know, people are irrational,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: you have to take that into account that. Uh, emotions are irrational and uh what people feel towards a baseball team is irrational we are all grown uh men and women and we really enjoy the sport and we follow the team because of a sense of community blah 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 and that does get distorted uh, when you say that half of the games or 60 percent of the games are going to be shipped off to another country yes Uh, so that has to be taken into account
1: it does have to be taken into account. One thing I would like to see, and again, I'm thinking pie in the sky here, is I think a way you could maybe try to sell it more to this fan base in Tampa Bay is if you say, okay, we're going to go up to Montreal for maybe part later part of June, July, and August, and then we're going to come back in September. We'll have home games in September before the playoffs start if we do get to that point i think you've got to have some late season ball games in tampa bay for it to really work and to keep the fan base intrigued and interested as opposed to to separating it into two teams really into two i mean i of course they want the two fan bases but you got to keep one fan base interested i know you have radio and television and all that but you also want to be able to access the team too and go to a game if if you're able to do that
2: Especially because that's the team that is getting the t- uh and ripped, ripped away from them, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Tampa Bay Rays that are getting kind of uh siphoned off to Montreal, so yeah. Uh, some late you know season baseball would obviously be appreciated. I think that would be even more difficult to do than what they're trying to do because of housing, yes. What do they do just for a month and a half? You know, I get that, but. So, I think player unions are going to have to, the players union is going to step up and kind of put a veto, veto to this because it just seems rather, um, ridiculous. But Matt Silverman did bring, uh, the, to the point that 10 years ago, uh, clicking on your phone uh, to get a random stranger to pick you up and, and, and take you to the desired destination seemed like magic, that it was crazy. Yes. And now we, take it for granted with Uber and Lyft. Uh, Maybe in 10 years, the same thing happens. And Mm -hmm. that was his, his message, but a lot of Tampa Bay Rays fans. And I think uh, we can put each other on this uh, bowl. um, Don't want to see that right now. Yeah. We, 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 we really believe that there's another way and, and, and that way is a stadium in Hillsborough Mm -hmm. County.
1: Now, the other thing, the other revelation they did have is their plan is to keep the team headquartered in Tampa Bay for for whatever that's worth. Um, The other thing I was thinking about, if they do get a new stadium in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, Tampa, wherever, I wonder if part of the plan, and I'm sure this has been brought up before, is once the Rays jet up to Montreal, then the Rowdies use that, facility for the rest of the season they play through october and that's a way to sell it as okay we you have two professional franchises here and you're you can can, there's a lot of soccer fans in the area you are a soccer fan in fact i'm not i will admit but (laughs) uh maybe that transition of okay you can still come here to see sporting events through mid-october or whatever it is
2: i mean i mean uh, maybe uh and
1: and, it's not a great uh, sell i'm gonna admit but hey it's (laughs) I think it's a way to use up that empty – just having an empty place for nine months out of the year. Especially
2: if it's going to cost around four hundred, five hundred million million, $500 million for another open-air stadium. You have to make it somewhat uh, malleable to have other types of events and obviously with their purchase of the Rowdies a couple years back. I mean maybe this has all been happening for a long time. I I know that – we have to take into consideration big corporations, political movements, all of these things that happen and we watch on TV, they're not from night t- to day. Mm-hmm. Um, they get talked about and mauled over for years and years. And what you're seeing today on February 10th was spoken about February 10th of 2018. You know, So this has all been kind of moving along. But to summarize <laughs> – FanFest was fun. Uh, Shout out to Melissa Herrera for coming up and and talking to us. Uh, We really enjoyed the conversation. And Uh, Carlos Herrera. Yes, yes. It was really really fun to to meet fans, not only of the race, but uh, it was really nice to hear them uh, enjoy the podcast. So uh, we we really had fun on Saturday.
1: Yeah, we also chatted with um, Rays Fangio, Lynn Ferraccio, Andrew Katzman, Connor Aikman, chatted with them. In fact... Ray's Fangio and Andrew Katzman were quoted extensively in a Tampa Bay <laughs> yeah. Times article. In fact, I think we spoke to them before they got interviewed by the Tampa Bay Times and are featured uh probably, I don't know if it's in the sports section or on the front page or wherever. Um, outside of all the stadium talk and everything, how would you grade FanFest as far as the the food, what there was to do? Maybe you take the long lines into account. Just I'm, on I'm, the whole, you've been to a couple of fan fest before in your time, so
2: yeah, I'll, I'll give it an eight point five. You know, okay. Um, the stadium talk, you know, has to be included in there, so that's why I can't give. Honestly, it a 10 I give them credit
1: for even sitting up there, and, and that's true. It the that maybe
2: that's the point five. Yeah. It should have been an eight, but I'll give them a point five for the for showing up. That was really fun. I, yeah. I had a great time. The The team store uh, kind of that was set up in the outfield was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a bunch of games for the kids. I wish I would have done the, the batting cages, though. Oh, the lines were way too long for that. Oh, yeah. man, that would have been a lot
1: of fun. I was surprised. I was really surprised also how long the lines were for former player autographs. Like yeah. Seth McClung, like the line was like all the way out the door from like center field. <laughs> Out to the exit area, it seemed like it was just crazy. But and of course, we saw uh, players moving around and and saw Blake Snell. saw saw You know, it was it was a fun time. Over twelve thousand people showed up. So uh, I guess just about what the Rays average on on attendance per game. That's about what showed up for Fan Fest. I guess. Um,
2: Would you Would you think that Fan Fest is where the most you know, obsessed and and passionate race fans are, are. Is that a good yes? That estimate?
1: and families. Okay, but you see a lot of like middle aged. Uh, the Ray. I'm all about the Rays. Three sixty five. I mean, I you see people with Ray's earrings and just. I mean, there were a lot of die hard, die hard Ray's fans. Well, lot, like if you were in the parking lot, you saw everybody. It seemed like not everybody, but a lot of people had the bumper stickers had had license plates, had everything.
2: It it can work. That's what I'm saying. It can work. If 12,000 people show up to a fan fest, why wouldn't 12,000 plus regular folk that just walk in because they want to do something on a Tuesday night that's not hanging out at the local pub, why wouldn't they go to a ball game if it's affordable and if it's close by?
1: So if you move it, say, 20 miles east Would that be fair to say?
2: That sounds about right, Kevin. Yeah,
1: I think it does. Uh, You know who else I saw at FanFest? Emilio Pagan. Hey, I saw him too. What happened to him? Then it got awkward. He got traded. We'll talk about (laughs) it next. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rays is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Rays fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Rays fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com advertising and let us know who we are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, Ulysses, so as we kind of teased a little bit at the end of the last segment, uh, Saturday was quite an eventful day if you're a Rays fan. First, you had FanFest, all the stadium talk and everything like that. And then in the evening, I think I was working out at the time. Yes, on a Saturday night, nothing else to do. Um, The Rays traded Emilio Pagan for outfielder Manuel Margot and catcher slash outfield prospect Logan Driscoll from, of course, the San Diego Padres. So I think that the Padres and the Rays are starting to have a little bit of a a trade relationship here if we go back to the Tommy Pham trade. Um, So we we really could have avoided all this. They could have just done a giant trade that would have involved Tommy Pham, Jake Cronenworth, and Emilio Pagan for (laughs) Hunter Renfro, Manny Margot, Xavier Edwards, and Logan Driscoll. Although I will say that would have really riled up the fan base because you'd be like, wait, you're trading... Amelia Pagan, who was our closer, one of our best relievers. You're trading Tommy Pham, one of our best hitters and best players overall. And Jay Cronenworth, uh, the, the, An the next prospect. up-and-comer, the, the yeah. best AAA player that we had last year. What? What are you doing? But, of yes. course, it doesn't always work out that way. I'm sure both teams kind of had to scour the free agent market and the trade market in between those trades and then circle back to make this move. So thoughts on this trade, Ulysses?
2: don't hate it. Yes. Don't hate it. Um, and not because I've looked at Margot's numbers, which we'll get into that a little bit later, mm-hmm. but uh, first, you know, value of it, when when you hear about it, I, I didn't detest it, and that kind of told me a little bit of how I, uh, how I felt about Emilio Pagan. Yes, was he good? He was really good.
1: Last season, he was very good. And, yes. and
2: when when he's on, man, he is nearly unhittable. But he does have a very, very big flaw and we all know it. Even if you're the number one, Emilia Pagan fan, you know what his biggest flaw is. That ball gets knocked hard when it does get hit and it's Mm -hmm. going, it's not going for a single. It's not going for a double or a triple. No, it's going for four bases. Yeah. So that's a big thing. And we saw it on the ALDS game five twice. So, uh, I think this was a, it, a trade. It, yeah,
1: it wasn't a salary dump. It was a pure baseball move.
2: On the contrary, it actually increased their payroll by almost $2 million by, mm-hmm. by by getting Margot. So not a salary dump, but I think, look, if you look at the depth chart of the race, that's where their biggest strength is, is their arms. And, and the bullpen, They mu- they must feel very confident about it. And they, so they, they sold high on a reliever. Mm-hmm. That could potentially keep going the way that, that he pitched in 2019, or he probably couldn't. I mean, we've always talked about the volatility of, of relievers. So hopefully not for his sake, because I think he, he was a really good guy in the clubhouse and, and a great competitor. But it could happen. Uh, Margot, however, has some really good skills, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the glove out there. Not Kevin Kiermeyer uh style but real close
1: about as close as you can get
2: real close
1: yeah it is a very interesting move and when i saw it again i i went back i looked at it i don't hate it either and i think the rays wouldn't make this move unless they're really confident in this and we got to remember pagan this is now his fourth team in four years just coming off a career year this was the time to deal him if you don't really think he's closer material material or a high leverage a true high leverage guy which again we we said in the offseason uh nick anderson seems to be the guy going forward yeah and or diego castillo and i think the rays they must really have confidence in jose alvarado getting back on track right peter fairbanks maybe he takes the next step anthony bonda getting back they have options. They have options going forward.
2: I mean, uh, you already in those you said three names that I think would be closers. Mm-hmm. And I know that the Rays don't really like to name out a closer, even though they kind of have always used to closer. But without <laughs> saying that right. it's a closer. Uh, Alvarado could be a closer. Uh, I mean, the stuff that he has, if he's right, he is lights out and could be the best reliever in the game. Diego Castillo, we've seen we've seen him on incredible movement on all this pitches nick anderson we saw him last year Lit- literally unhittable so mm-hmm. those three guys could be uh, closer type material and they're in the same bullpen yeah and who knows you even
1: could add in Brendan mckay into the equation you could put brent honeywell if you're trying to work him back i mean and it's also something where And don't forget about the
2: Drake. Don't forget about Chaz Rowe. Uh I I mean, the the Rays have a lot of arms, and that's where I think they they did this straight. They're like, okay, let's get another piece because the outfield, Kevin, can't you put question marks on each one of those guys? Let's talk about Renfro. Coming back from injury, that deserves a question mark. You don't know what you're going to get from Hunter Mm -hmm. Renfro. Kevin Kiermaier, we know the injury passed. Uh, of Kevin Kiermaier question mark. Yes. Awesome. In
1: in fact, I will note that uh Rays fan Geo <laughs> made us put down we had to it's sort of a prop bet. It's quite ingenious actually. Yeah. that we had to put the number we had to put the total wins that we think the Rays will have and the projected date that Kevin <laughs> Kiermaier will go on the DL. I think I put like June 15th or something like that.
2: I think I went a, a little bit uh nicer and I, I put July 20th, I think. Okay. You're uh, you're so yes, question, yeah, yeah. So mark, on question mark on Kevin Kiermaier. On Kevin Kiermaier, Austin Meadows, great bat. Can he replicate that? We don't know. But that's not where I put the question mark. I put the question mark next to his defensive metrics, mm-hmm. which rated him the worst in in in, in during the twenty nineteen series. So that's a question mark. Yeah. A Rosarina, not a lot of big leagues. Is he time. ready? Is he ready? Is he going to start in AAA? That's a question mark. Sutsugo, we've heard that he is kind of unstable, but we heard from cash and company that he looked good in third base, that he's serviceable as well in left field. So again, question mark. So who do you really have in the outfield? That is a solid. And this guy seems to be a solid in the outfield.
1: He almost, I mean, he's really about as close to a right-handed Kevin Kiermaier as you can drum up now for a lot cheaper. And I will say again, again, Conspiracy theory, all you want. I think this sets up closing the door on Kevin Kiermeyer in a raised uniform. Maybe not this year, maybe sometime in the offseason, where, especially when you add in Randy Arrasarina to the equation, they're like, okay, we have two true center fielders. One of these guys we expect will pan out. We hope will pan out. If they start to pan out, okay, then we can start to make the move to trade Kevin Kiermaier in the offseason and go from there. Because if you look at Manny Margot's numbers, I mean, last year he was better offensively than Kiermaier. I mean, Kiermaier, I think was a, his war was 2.3, um, and Margot's was like 1.8, 1.9, something like that. Very similar.
2: Yeah, um, but let, let, let's look at what the lineup, though. In, in the lineup, again, they're the reverse guy, so obviously Kevin Kiermaier is a lefty and, and Margot is a righty, so he smashes lefties, but strikes out at a, uh, at a lower clip. Margot does than mm-hmm. Kevin Kiermaier. He walks more, and he hits the the ball as hard as Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, really, it's it, yeah. when you say that they're very similar, they're very similar profiles. Now, and Margot goes, is it's younger,
1: tri- just twenty five. We have to remember exactly, that.
2: And, and he's been in the league for three years, so which is nice. This is his first year of eligibility through arbitration. But we didn't even talk about another question mark that's in AAA, Josh Lowe.
1: Yeah. Well, he's injured, so yeah. He's
2: hurt, but he was going to be probably the next prospect to come up maybe August, Mm -hmm. uh, September. And and now, you know, he probably won't see any majors' time. So again, that's another question mark. This Margot trade, I don't think the Rays really felt like they they had a stable outfield. Yeah. Uh, If
1: Kevin Kiermeyer goes down, what do we do? Are we right. really comfortable
2: with Rosarena? Yeah. Are I, we really I, I comfortable like moving things.
1: Hunter Renfro to center or something right. of that ilk? Not right. really. So, I mean, really, you look at Margot as of right now, he's the backup to Kevin Kiermaier, and if if there's a lefty starting on the mound, you put him in. Um, but, I, hey, he's a much better backup option than, than Guillermo Heredia was last year. I mean, this team, I think, is much improved offensively. It took a lot of maneuvering and a lot of work, but I think the Rays are really in a good spot where they can they could honestly they could afford to have a couple of injuries and allow guys to step up and thrive in that role
2: we've said it time and time again this is a very stacked raised 40 Mm man and it is and uh, maybe from one through five there isn't that best player out there compared to other teams but that number five through 26 on that roster there is not a lot of difference between mm-hmm. number five and 26, and that's really, really helpful, especially for a team that, honestly, Kevin, I think they're going to platoon the heck out of this. Oh, this yeah. Year. They're going to go splits heavy on this, which. It'll hopefully it'll keep everybody healthy. Hopefully egos are checked out of the door and the clubhouse is not going to be bothered by by any, you know, egotistical. Hey, why didn't you play me? Why am I getting sat down? You know, hopefully Kevin Cash and company can can really help with that. But it's stacked, man. And and Margot helps with that. I mean, like you said, he's a better version of Heredia.
1: Yeah. And say you down the line need another reliever. I mean, you've got some options. There's there's teams out there that might need uh, a versatile infielder type, like a Daniel Robertson. There might be a mm-hmm. need for somebody to get, they need a Nate Lowe or a G-Man mm-hmm. Choi or a Mike Brousseau. You can kind of, Joey Wendell, you can maybe deal one or two of those guys and get back a solid reliever. I mean, you can move relievers sort of left and right and fluctuate with that. The other thing I want to mention, last thing about Margot, is not only defensively, it's kind of, Assumed, but his base running and speed tied into that. They have another elite level base runner and base stealer, something that, again, you want to talk about Tommy Pham, his defensive liabilities, his definite base running liabilities. Right. You add in Margot, the team is much improved on the base paths already. In fact, if you look at FanGraphs, the rankings, Brandon Lau was number one last season, 5.1 BSR. Margot would have been number two, 5.0 BSR. There weren't, a lot of guy, there weren't a lot of race players in that range. I'll put it like that.
2: Exactly. Exactly. We'll put. I mean, because you really need a, a little bit of everything. And the speed around the bases, you didn't really see that a, a lot with the race when you look at the depth chart, uh, especially with the additions. You know, uh, Cafecito, Sutsugo, Hunter Renfro. I mean, they're, they're not fleet of foot. If anything, mm-hmm. so this addition really speaks uh, of how they wanted to round out a little bit better the roster. I, I like it. I like it.
1: Who has a higher OPS after this season, Kevin Kiermeyer or Manny Margot? Wow. I'm. Uh, oh Kiermeyer has a higher OPS, I think, for his career, but Margot had a higher one last season slightly. I'm gonna go platoons. uh, Take into account, maybe, or you know, Kevin Kiermaier. This could be his year.
2: I think back from a wedding. I think he's going to be nervous, because, like you said, when when you have somebody behind you, like about to take your job, do you really put on the? Do you get nervous and and fail, or do you actually you know rise up to the moment and and do something? I don't know.
1: I I mean, Kevin Kiermaier is an ultra competitor, so that might force him to rise up, knowing that. Okay, he's got a little competition on his back. I don't know if he wants to leave the Tampa Bay area. Okay, I better get my stuff together in in order.
2: I'm going to say Kevin Kiermaier will have a higher OPS, but it's not like Margot's going to have a bad one either. They're both going to have a really good season. Very similar. I'm going to go as PC as as I can. Very PC. As PC (laughs) as Brian Alden and Matt Silverman. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> All right. That'll do it for today's show. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Locked on Rays. You can also email us or send us a voice memo uh, to get your voice heard at LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Again, I'm Kevin Weiss.
2: I'm Ulysses Sembrano.
1: Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the podcasting app Himalaya, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Rays.